0: Welcome to the Diabolical Film Show, a podcast about old films, new films, and the people who make them. My name is Ash, and with me, I've got my old mate, Richie. Hello, old mate Ash. Hello, old mate Richie. How are you doing, yeah. fella? I'm good, mate. I'm good, mate. The weather's been amazing, so uh, it makes me happy. Oh, well, it's a bit grim here. Grim up north, dark skies. It looks like it's going to thunder, to be completely honest. Fulton
1: and lightning, very, very frightening me. Like your song is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there we go. Uh this week we are talking about films not in the English language Ooh. may we may we mon capitan <laughs> indeed yes, I see what he did there yeah well films that need subtitles that might have dubbing over the top
1: mm.
0: that's what we're going to be talking about because there are if you're only watching films in the English language, you're missing quite a
1: lot to be quite frank, you're denying yourself a whole a whole new world of stuff
0: whole new world.
1: No? No. Okay. Yeah,
0: I mean, I do understand that some people do struggle reading subtitles, especially in some films, because they're incredibly fast. Even even I struggle reading them. Mm. But, so I, I do appreciate that, and if you're tired, probably not mm. wanting to watch a film with subtitles. But there are so many good films out there. There
1: are, there are. I've only I've, I picked three and an honourable mention. I have three and an honourable mention also. But the ones
0: I've chosen, I've chosen from my... Personal collection. Uh, so these are these are for my DVD collections. Now there's plenty of other films that I could have possibly talked about, but I and we will probably talk about them in the future. But this one, these I physically have copies of. So, I was able to watch them again
1: yeah i'm 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 just mine I've not gone for the ones you know that' the, I'll say popular they are they are popular, but they're not the ones you know that are arty farty art house who you tease us, Richie, you tease us. there's none of that here i mean i I don't do any of that bollocks, um <laughs> <laughs> we
0: know you don't do. Artifarty, mate. We know that is very true. So, do you, well, seeing you're talking, do you want to lead in with your first one then?
1: Okay, my first one is from 2008. Ooh, it's a little French film called Martyrs. Oh, hello, cheeky. <laughs> he starts. He starts with a strong one going out the gate.
0: <laughs> Dear God. Okay, go on.
1: Now, this one, I do believe you introduced me to this one. I did. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's Do you want to explain what it's about <laughs> Oh I don't want to go into too much detail because it'll uh, I don't want to give the game away but it, it starts off in 1971 and a young girl is found running through a like a warehouse factory district in France somewhere and mm-hmm. uh, it turns out that she's been abducted and held hostage and abused for a number of years uh, so the people who find her they put her into an orphanage and while she, she's there she befriends another girl who was abused called Anna the the girl who we find at the start is called Lucy and they become friends so 15 years later it's really it, it, it's like a bit of a weird thing you see a family having breakfast there's a knock on the door and uh, the father answers it and gets shot point blank range by a shotgun and then the, the, the rest of the family gets killed and it's it's Lucy who's done it Do,
0: am I right? Right, that Disney is turning this into a musical. <laughs> no? <laughs> is, that, is that a no, though? No, okay. No film.
1: Okay. She's done this because she believes that that, that family, that mother and father, were responsible for her abuse when she was a little girl. And so Anna turns up and helps to clear up the mess that she's made and then hilarity ensues this is the richie
0: hilarity ensues not the actual meaning of hilarity yeah if you listen to the last podcast on the evil dead you'll know what he means this is a grim film this is this is the film that hor- horror people hold all of the films up to is it's on the martyr scale does it pass the martyr or does it come under the majority of them i would say 99 percent of them Will Fall Below Martyrs. Yeah. It is a grim film. I mean, I remember the first time I watched this and I was halfway through it and I was sat there thinking, what the fuck am I watching this for?
1: Exactly.
0: Because you're seeing a woman getting the shit kicked out of her continuously, mm. which is not easy viewing. Now, there is a reason for this, as it goes on to explain later on.
1: Now, kinda, it's this, this film and my next film. When I looked at the ones I'd picked, there was a theme of someone being a... Abducted and abused. I'm like, I'm not like that in real life. It just happened that these are the films that I picked. I'm like, Shit! It's ooh. I'm painting myself a bad picture about myself here. But anyway, what I found in these particular in this film and my next film is unlike the American and the you know the the Western film, they don't spell it out for you what's going to happen. Yes, that's good. that's going to
0: be a continuing theme. I feel because yeah. I was going to bring that up later on, not in specific about about your film, but yeah. about one of mine as well.
1: Yeah, they you find out what's going on and why things are going on the same time as the protagonist in the film finds out.
0: Yeah and in the french version that is
1: yes there is an american remake of this film fucking avoid it because it's shit i don't see the reason why i'd want to watch it i haven't (laughs) seen i haven't (laughs) seen the remake
0: i've seen martyrs and mart i have not yet seen a a remake specifically of a horror film that has bettered the original i'm just trying to think now if i've just landed myself in it no i don't think so not in horror no it's yeah in other genres yes i'd say oceans 11 the remake is better than the original film but not in horror i can't I can't think of a remake. That's better.
1: Yeah, the, but there's a, a thing where, you know, it's the Western audiences prefer, I don't know if they prefer, I don't prefer to be led around by the nose through a, through a story you know, and directed. No. Look at that. Oh yeah. And this one, you do not find out. You don't. I watched this with my wife and she said, turn it off because I don't, like what you just said, I don't know why we're watching this.
0: Mm. I mean, it does explain itself
1: at the end. I mean,
0: yeah, yeah, and there is a point to it, and it's it's actually quite a what's what's what I'm looking for here. It's it's quite an existential reason why they're doing it Mm. and it doesn't make the viewing any easier no no i've i've actually watched this three times now this film (laughs) um you know i'm a i I like to suffer it's not as bad on the second viewing obviously and the third viewing it's it it doesn't have the same impact and and very few films do to be fair Mm. but yeah it's 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 a big one and subtitles it is subtitled i don't think it's dubbed is it this one but it's subtitled and i think it's there's not a huge amount of talking i mean but the explanation at the end i think you possibly have to pull think, oh right oh 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 right they're doing that are they yeah right okay i see where they're going with this okay so yeah okay that's a strong starter
1: yeah mdb7 okay uh, the tomatoes critics give it 64 and the audience is 69 it's That's quite even really yeah. i mean it's
0: it's one of those i say if it hits the 50s in the 50 mark that means the audience is split you know what i mean um is it was it's either really mediocre or the audience is split I, 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 it's a hard watch it's as simple as that it is it a is, hard watch it is so but you know you have...
1: if you like your horror and you don't mind doing a bit of reading whilst you're watching it give it a punt if you've not already seen it. A lot of people have seen this because, well, especially if they're horror aficionados.
0: Yeah, if you're into your horror films, this is the one This is the one to hold all of us up to, yeah. I, I would say. Well, I, I don't technically have a horror film in mine, in my list. Oh, you, you disappoint me. Not technically. Well, we'll come on to that in a minute. I'm not going to start with that one, though. I'm going to start with um, one called, well, it's from 2004, and it's called House of Flying Daggers. Oh. Now, this, this is a Chinese film. Uh, like I said, it came out in 2004 on IMDb. You have 7.5, which is a bit average. Rotten Tomatoes, 87 for the critics, 82 less for the wow. viewing public. Now, yeah, I thought it'd be more. Mm. This came out after Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon kind of brought the martial arts, the Budget, grandiose martial arts mm. film, modern martial arts film, in into the Western audiences, really, I feel. And this was the follow-up. And I think this for me is better. It's a better story. It's it's just as well. It's shot just as well. It's exceedingly, it's exceedingly good. Um the story itself, it's about a a couple of policemen. One is undercover in a brothel. He is kind of molesting one of the women in there. She comes to dance for him. And it's a beautiful dance sequence as well. Absolutely beautiful dance sequence. Choreographed kind of martial arts dance sequence. She does it. It's very, very good. And he, he starts molesting her. And then the police raid the brothel arrest him and are going to arrest this female blind worker within the brothel but he says if you can do if you can do the echo game if you beat me at the echo game i will let you go free so the echo game involves um about 20 to 30 drums being brought on around her and he flicks beans at the drum. And she ha- she has to bearing in mind she's blind, she has to point, or in this case, she actually flicks her kimono or the the kind of big flowing dress thing she's got on. It don't be called a kimono, I don't I don't want to kind of insult the, the Chinese. And and then it, it hits the drum. So he, he does one one pea, then another bean, then another bean, and then at the end he throws all the bean, the whole pot of beans flies out. She hits all of these drums in sequence. Um with the hundreds of beans. And then you realise she's actually she's more. More than she is and then what she does with the with her we'll call it kimono for now someone can someone could um, tell me in the comments uh if i'm if i'm wrong but she she uses the the long sleeves of that to whip up his sword from his sheath and try and kill him with it because she was or she, they believe her to be the daughter of the leader of the flying daggers and the flying daggers are essentially a group of uh robin hood type of group where they rob the rich and feed the poor type of dealio so they'd concocted this plan for her she'll escape essentially and she'll escape because the other guy that they arrested in there actually is another copper, and he will help her escape, and hoping that she will lead them to the Flying Daggers. But over the course of this film, he falls in love with her. Oh, it's a love story! And it turns out there are two people in love with this lady. So she's called Zai Mei, and she's played by... Zai Zhang, and we also have Takeshi Keneshiro, and she's—he's actually from Japan. And you've also got Andy Lau, and he's a big music star as well as a, a as a film star as well. He's from Hong Kong, and then you have Dandan Dan Song. She plays Yi. So you've got a group. A small group of people. There's a lot of, obviously, stunt performers as well, because the rest of the people are played up by stunt performers. But So there's two people that love this woman, and they come head-to-head in the final, as you'd expect, really, in the final scenes in a big showdown, fighting over this woman. And I have to say, I'm not going to ruin the end completely for you, but it's not your traditional Hollywood ending. I'll sell you that for nothing.
1: Oh, what i remember about that was it looked absolutely scrumptious
0: oh it's it's absolutely stunning it's directed by yi mao zhang and the cinematography is by zhao ding zhao i I might be pronouncing all these wrong i apologize if i'm doing a disservice here but the cinematographer's done a, a bunch of other um asian kind of martial arts films he's also done the great wall as well which might not want to talk about because it's a bit shite is that the matt damon one yeah it's a bit shite but the other thing i thought i mean it does look gorgeous it's really sumptuous and it's mm. they they use different shades of the same color really really well i mean the the big kind of the bean sequence we'll call it the bean sequence at the beginning is a choreographed kind of piece um which is incredibly well done and that's lots of peach colors i mean who uses peach for good sake in as a color to make it look dramatic but this peaches and these reds and yellows and it all just looks really sumptuous and then you get the fight in the bamboo trees and that's lots of greenery lots of different mm. shades of green being used and it is just absolutely for your eyes it blows you away one of the things that one of the person we don't normally mention this but the costume designer is bao rong Hound. hong they did hero Crouching Tiger as well, um, Mongol: The Rise of Genghis Khan. They've done the. They don't seem to be doing any, any work at them um, since about 2010. But costumes in this looked absolutely fantastic, and that just adds to the richness of it because the cinematography and the direction of this film is really, really good. The fight sequences as well, and the the editing. It's not cut, 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 cut. They, they let them. They let them breathe a little bit. You know, there's you get a few moves. Before they cut to the next angle, and so it's just really good. It is an absolute. The first time I watched this, I, I really was moved by it. I thought, oh my god, I didn't see the end coming for a start, but it looked amazing. It lo- I thought it looked better than Crouching Tiger. The fight sequences are ingeniously done and very well choreographed. And it is a nice love story. I mean, it's set, like I say, it's set back in 859 during the Tang Dynasty, and it is a
1: romanticized look at kind of Chinese history, but.
0: It's it's just a damn good
1: film. Yeah. And I found that because you're looking at the... Uh, depends what the scene's doing. You can read the sub- it's, it's easy to yeah this is an easy one to follow in the subtitles it's an easy one yeah. because you know it's, it's not in your face all, all the time
0: yeah they, they really used the wide shot again in this really really well and the subtitle is a, a, not as much as another film I'm going to say in a minute but there's a lot of show don't tell they, they let the story breathe and there's some twists mm. and turns in it as well and you, um, some double dealings and all that sort of business and it's a, it's a reasonably small cast but it's yeah it's a really really good film and I think better than Crouching Tiger so the audiences don't agree. They think Crouching Tiger is better, but the one thing I did also like just before we move on to the next one, Shigeru umabashi is the composer. It's got a beautiful score, really good score on this film, um, and you, it's a stand that you can listen to it standalone, and it, it really, it really does invoke, and it really does help the film build the film uh, as part of this the viewing experience. I'd say so. Yeah. There you, yeah. there you go. Um, House of Flying Daggers. What are the scores for it? Uh, the scores for this one, um, 7.5, um, 87 and 82 for House of Flying Daggers. So 87 for the critics. Critics liked mm. it more than the viewers. But yeah, it's... Crouching Tiger scores higher, but I think that's because it was the first one out. Mm. I don't think it's a it's a great film. It's a very good film, but it's, for me, not as good as this one. There you go. So what's your next one?
1: All righty. Okay. My next one is 2003. It's from South Korea. Okay. Old Boy. Okay, Old Boy.
0: Yeah. Good film. Old Boy. Remade as well. Another one remade as well. Yeah. Badly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Don't do that. Don't do that. Do this one. Uh, so, Old Boy is about a guy, Dai Suo, his name. Dai Suo. He's on his way to give his daughter a birthday present. He gets drunk and gets locked up in in the local nick and uh, a friend comes out to bail him from the uh, police the police station so on his way home he phones his daughter from a phone box he's on the he's, he's telling her that he's on his way home and he gets abducted like you do like you do yeah when he comes to he's in this room now he's kept in this room for 15 years, he gets fed and watered, and all he's got is he's got a TV in in his room. And you see when, whenever he gets... Uh, his room gets tidied up and what have you, because he, he starts wrecking it when he first gets in. They gas him, put him to sleep, check him out, tidy the room up, and put him back in again. For 15 years. And then he's released. He has to find out who kidnapped him and why. Hilarity ensues. <laughs> now, this one, I... I watched this a long time ago and then obviously I've watched it again and I forgot about where this was going now I have watched this (laughs) but I can't remember how it
0: ends (laughs) I remember the key sequences, especially, so we call it the letterbox hammer sequence. Is it with a hammer? <laughs> the, the, cori- corridor. the corridor. The corridor sequence, sequence. Yeah. yeah. I remember that. The corridor sequence. Because that's what it's famous for.
1: Yeah. But uh, yeah, this one, again, it, it goes back to martyrs where you don't know what's going on. Why has this happened to him? What's happened? And there's a lot of exposition with within the character's past and there's a bit of to and fro in. From the past to the present, and again, this one is a an easy read sort of thing. It's not, <laughs> it's not. You know, you're not looking at what's going on and looking at the words. Look what's going on. It just happens. It, it's 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 not distracting. No, and it's it's very very good. Very very good. The hallway fight scene. It'll be on YouTube. Shouldn't be, but it'll be on YouTube. The
0: whole just call yeah. it the corridor fight scene from Old Boy with a hammer. Oh fucking hell!
1: Yeah, it's the ending don't want to spoil it oh, my film I'm not going to spoil it because it takes away why you're watching it if you say the end it will it, you'll just be like well why am I going to yeah, watch it yeah i
0: mean we don't go out. we don't set out to spoil the endings of films deliberately but there's some films you have to talk about the ending and in in some you don't so much and like i said i, I don't think i'm going to spoil well, I might spoil one of them. Well, I'm not going to spoil all of them.
1: Yeah. This one, it almost won Cannes. Almost. It, it came second place. It got beat by uh, Michael Moore's Fahrenheit 9 9-1, 11 Well, it was a good documentary. Yeah. But, yeah. You know. Shout out for this one. The cinematography in this. Chung Hoon Chung. Who's that? I don't. No, uh, it doesn't ring a bell. They did Last Night in Soho. Okay, I've heard of that. Yeah. Uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Never heard of it. <laughs> And Zombieland Double Tap. Okay. So, Last Night in Soho, it looks great. It does. The film itself is is like, for me, it can't m- make up its mind what it wants it to be. Because it starts off as like some kind of detective-y noir thing. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I like that. And then it, it, it just goes, ding, a bit like um, Dust Till Dawn. And you're like, you know what? I liked it when it was the other story better. <laughs> 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 oh, let's not knock Dust Till Dawn. No, no, not, not knocking Dust Till Dawn. Last night in the summer. Oh, right. Okay,
0: okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I on. like
1: the other one better. I like the, the previous part of initial it, yeah, story yeah, yeah. better. I, I don't yeah, think I've yeah. seen
0: I'm not seeing it, I don't think.
1: It does tie together, but I'm like, really? Well, yeah, it's... um Why does it stand out for you over all the others? Why does it stand out? It's violent.
0: <laughs> I'm, sens- I'm sensing a theme here, Richie, but go on. <laughs>
1: And it's it's different. Again, it doesn't lead you by the hand. I mean, of course, I had no I had no way of knowing this is where it it it, it was going. But a lot of um, your, I say foreign films, world cinema, they don't get the love what they should. No, they don't. No. And this film. And then the Western audiences remake them and think they
0: can do better, and they really don't, as we'll talk about in the next one.
1: IMDb eight point four. The Tomatoes eighty two percent for the critics and ninety four percent with the audience. I'll go so, to the audience
0: on this one. I remember I remember yeah. really enjoying the film. Like to say, I like I say, I like a good mystery,
1: especially when you can't see it coming. Yeah, mystery. Yeah, it's a, it's it's a, a, a why done it. A why done it. <laughs> why done it? Yeah, I've just coined. Is a... it quick copyright it? Pat pending. I own that, it's mine. Rich in his violent films. If you don't like, them, I'll smash your
0: face in. <laughs> I'm not violent. <laughs> Stone him, stone him. Are there any women here today? Oh no, we're going on to a completely different topic there. No, no, no. no. Uh, so right, okay. So that's. Old boy from 2000, what was it? 2003. 2003. See, there is a bit of a theme going on here. Mine are all in the 2000s as well. Mm. Mm. Weird. Yeah. Okay. My next one is the horror, not horror. Okay. Mine is from 2008. It's a Swedish film set in the 80s, not about ABBA. It is called Let the Right One In.
1: Uh, Now. You're straying into... Arty Farty territory Let's now, not, aren't you? No, no,
0: no, no, no. No, Richie, no. Although it is beautiful. It is a beautiful film. It is. Yeah. Now this now I I'm gonna get a theme going here about loneliness and uh, lost lost <laughs> you and things of that nature for my next two films, uh, which might give a hint for the next, the final one. But um, so this so let the right one in. Essentially, it's about Oscar, who is a very, is a twelve year old boy who is being bullied at school. But we first see him. I, I think it starts with him with a knife. Actually, you see him stabbing stabbing a knife, saying "squeal piggy, squeal piggy." So you think he could be the bully initially, but he's not. He's been bullied, and he he's been bullied a lot at school. Um, and we see it throughout the film as well in a number of different ways. He wishes he had the strength mentally and physically to attack back, but he doesn't. But he does harbour that if he he was strong enough, that he would want to kill them. We do find that out during the film. It's hinted at. It's never said outright, but it's hinted at quite strongly in places. I mean, he has a scrapbook of murderers and killers, modern-day murderers and killers. And what one day... Uh, in very early in the film, he sees a taxi pull up outside and a man and a young girl get out of the taxi and they move in to next door to where he lives. They board up the windows so the, no sunlight can get in. Wonder why that could be. That is Eli, um the young girl. Well, initially you think the young girl living there, and so Oscar's played by Kera Hend- Hendenbrandt, and Eli is Lena Lenderson, and Harken is the adult with her, played by Per uh, Ragnar. You don't know who this gentleman is in relationship to the girl because very early on you see him. He goes out, and he's quite nonchalantly packing a bag. And in goes a big knife. In goes a gas mask. In go. It's essentially, he's <laughs> packing a kill kit. He says he's what he's doing here. And he goes out and he's he's just stood in the park. This is very early on. I'm not ruining anything here for you. With his gas mask out, and someone passes him and says, what, "What's that?" And he, he says what it is, and then gases them, hangs them upside down from a light in the middle of the park. It's late at night. I hasten to add. Ah, yeah, it's a play park, and isn't it? Yeah. And slits the throat and captures the blood. Now and then off he hops with the blood back to the girl. Now the the girl in in here, um, Eli is uh, the, the vampire and she eventually meets oscar and they strike up initially a friendship which kind of moves on from friendship to possibly something more later on but the film itself again it is a beautiful looking film it is directed by thomas Alfredson, written by john oh my lord here we go john Agved <laughs> Linquist. Now that's also from his novel. John Linquist. He also wrote the screenplay for this. But the cinematographer is Thomas Alfredson. Now he's done things like Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, ah, The Snowman, and he's one of these cinematographers it is this is this is the epitome of show don't tell there are lots of looks touches moments and the way he frames the camera he really does show oscar as a lonesome person he is seen at always at a distance initially or through something or from the back you don't get to see him early on in the film and he's he's it's one of those where subliminally he's showing you that it He's keeping the distance from him to show you that he is distance from everybody else. He is different to everybody else, and like I say, he has got his killer tendencies, but he's not—he's not the strong lad. He's not the strong-willed person. He doesn't—he wants to kill but can't kill. Where she has to kill to live because she's a little vampire, but doesn't want to kill. So she has this person with her, this Harken, older gentleman. Now you don't know who he is, and he—she states partway through that. She's not her father. So you think, well, who, who is he now? Who did you, when you watched this initially? I got a different thing the second time I watched this. What did you think initially? Who he was?
1: Well, who I, I thought it yeah. was. Well, you like to think is you think along the lines of um interview with a vampire. Is she older than what she well, looks? She is. Yes, yeah, she is a lot older than what. So she is looks. it? Is that her grandfather? You know, it, you go in. There is a family connection, but you know that's what you're. Or thinking. is it
0: the young, uh, a younger version of Oscar who's grown? up with her Mm. and that's what i took away from the first time i watched it now the second time and having done a little bit of research on the film as well is that's not who he is he's actually a pedophile she's recruited a pedophile now this is in apparently this is hinted at in the book okay she's recruited a pedophile and because he's a predator and she's a predator but for him to get access to her she has him killed now that's fucking strong man that is strong (laughs) shit now, that's not what I took See, the first time, and that's not what the American film does. The American version of this film has him as, if I remember rightly, he was a young lad, and he's grown up and grown old, and she gets essentially gets bored of him, is what happens. She gets bored, and he's he's not performing the task that she wants him to perform, because he, he fucks up a couple of kills and things.
1: See, that's where the Western audiences would never, ever go, they'd never cross that line. No, well... But, but there's lines, you know... John Lindquist... Rubbed out that line.
0: They'll run through it. Ran through it, and then in the distance, yeah. I went, ha-ha, screw you, line. Um, I'm going with that side of the story. Yeah. They will They will fucking go there. Fuck. Oh. Because there's a scene in this, they the hint at it massively in the film, but don't outright state it. There's a scene where he, he's, he doesn't want her to go, because he sees her becoming friends with Oscar, and he doesn't want her to um, stay friends with Oscar. And he wants... You know, he doesn't want us to see her again. So she she strokes his cheek, and that's the first time you think, ooh, this is a bit creepy. This is not because that's the first time you don't realize that's you realize that's not her dad. That's somebody else. And then, he, like I said, he, he messes up a couple of kills and ends up pouring acid over his face because he, he thought he was going to kill himself. But he, he, he doesn't. He ends up in hospital and that the scene actually. Now, this is a prosthetic. Now, this I think this is uh, now it's 2008, this film. Now, I think this was a, a prosthetic that they used um, on the side of his face to have a look. And it looked incredibly close to what Harvey Dent looked like in The Dark Knight, and that was CGI. And that looked like CGI because it was incredibly good CGI. It was very, very well done in The Dark Knight. And that was CGI. <laughs> but it was too yeah. clear, too crisp, yeah. too sharp. It wasn't... It just didn't quite look right where this bloody hell whoever mm. did the makeup in this is absolutely hands down absolutely bob on I, I don't have the name of the person who did the makeup in this but incredibly good prosthetic now this is a dark film there's some really big standout moments in this film where she feeds on a, on somebody and he's interrupted I'm not going to give all the stuff away but it's, she feeds on one person and he's interrupted so eventually so that person <laughs> turns into a vampire because she gets kicked off and she runs away and this this woman doesn't know what's happening to her and then realizes that something's really really wrong with her and she ends up in hospital and they open the curtains and she just bursts into flames literally within seconds and it's like holy crap that is really powerfully visual scene and there's lots of that sort of stuff all the way through and the end as Mm. well the end it, it really is about loss of childhood and how lonely people kind of pull together uh, and she essentially uses these people for her own benefit so she can survive and is the sound effects in this film again are very good as well when she feeds it's really guttural it's like a it's like a um a, a she sounds like a cat, you know, like rrr, rrr, that sort of noise, and it? it's really guttural when she's feeding. And apparently the way they did that, they put a mic right next to the the actors and they got them to bite into sausages. Yeah, Alright. Because you know you get that pop when you bite into a sausage through the flesh and then rip it. Oh, yeah, yeah. They used to they ripped it out of their mouth. And that's the noise they amped it up, obviously, and obviously tweaked it slightly. Fixed it in post. Fixed it in post, yeah. But it, it sounds absolutely <laughs> amazing. Now, This film, it's showing its age a little bit because it was a low-budget film Mm. and there's a bit where these cats attack the woman, actually, who became a vampire by accident and that looks a bit... It looks a bit jokey now, actually, to be fair, because there's a lot of cats just toy cats hanging off her essentially that doesn't look good Um, there's a bit where someone falls from the building and they look like a dummy when when he oh oh, it's not that bit no sorry it's not the bit where they fall from the building it's the bit where they go in the water where someone gets pushed underwater it is a dummy it's clearly it's a dummy because he goes out he goes back out to kind of mop up after something's gone wrong essentially yeah it's it's very very good she doesn't want to kill and essentially the young lad she sees in him that he will kill for her so Mm. befriends her. Oh. And there's something something else. I'm going to mention something else because if you watch this version of it, it's cut from the American version and it's the bit where he sees her getting changed in the bathroom. I'm just going to leave it there. And they use the mm. word she because that's how she portrays herself in the film. And I'll leave it there.
1: Uh, what are the scores on the doors?
0: The sc- scores on the doors for this one, 7.9 on IMDb, 98 for critics, 98. I bet audience is lower. It is, it's 90. I would put it at 90. I think it's a yeah. strong 90, though. I'd, I'd maybe go a bit higher. I'd split the difference, 94 or
1: something. I absolutely love this film. It's beautifully shot. It's mad, isn't it? Because that's happened with a few, are not it, where the, the critics is higher than the audience. It's like, that's a bit mad, that.
0: Yeah, and there's, there's loads of bits in this film. I could go on a, a long time about this film. There's loads of bits in this film that are just so good They don't, there's not a huge amount of dialogue. So, again, this is an easy watch for for those who are talking about watching subtitles. This is an easy watch. This really is the epitome of show don't tell. It's a look, it's a touch, it's a glance, it's a it's that sort of film it doesn't tell you everything it lets you jump to your own conclusions if you want to know more read the book everything's in the book Or watch the american version the american version is a sanitized it tells you everything everything in the, and they yeah. cut out the they cut out the other stuff they tell you absolutely everything they drill it home where this they show you and if you spot it you take it in all good if you don't just enjoy it for the film it is it's possibly one of the best vampire films out there and it is not a glamorized look at being a vampire in the slightest Mm. it's completely opposite it's it's not a nice nice life eli has so yeah i would i would say watch this forget about the american version the american version goes for blood and gore over over actual style and substance completely misses the fucking point in some of the story it will do completely misses the yeah. point um, and just goes for blood and guts. And, yeah, it's fine, but it, it's not bad. It's just fine. But if you want to watch the proper version, it's an easy watch. Like I said, watch this version. It's very good. And there's also a play version of it now as well, which is done better than you'd probably think it would be. So, yeah, so that All was right. Let the Right One In, a Swedish film from 2008.
1: All right. Well, my third one is from 2011. Yeah, they're all in the two thousands. Hmm. And this one's Indonesian, and it's called the Raid. You've gone for you've gone for more martial arts than me. Okay, fucking right, I have. Yeah, this one is fucking awesome. <laughs> Basically, the raid is a SWAT team is going into a tower block that uh, is owned by a drug lord. He's in the top floor of this tower block. It's not a big tower block. It's about 20 floors. It's it's, it's not big at all. And what they're going to do is they either take him out or take him back to get locked up or what have you? So they're going in, and at the start, they do manage to be stealthy, stealthy, stealthy. However, they get spotted, and chop-socky hilarity ensues. This film is <laughs> fucking amazing. Anyway, go on. It's three years before John If you watch this film, you think, you'll think you think John Wick. Yeah, yeah. But this was before John Wick. What
0: I remember from this film, I have seen this film. I think I've got this film, actually. What I remember from this film is, I hope the stunt performers got paid a... Vast amount of money, because <laughs> they earned it on this film. Dear yeah. God, they're yeah. falling onto metal bars and all sorts of stuff, and it's unbelievable.
1: There's one guy, isn't there, who falls from a balcony in the main stairwell, and he lands on the on the rail mm. of the other balcony on the floor, but he's back, and you see his back break, and you hear it, you're like, oh, that's got a fucking pinch.
0: <laughs> <laughs> He'll feel that in the morning. or not you're like
1: oh fuck's sake yeah it is fucking brilliant it's just martial arts and considering you're watching a lot of martial arts and this that and the other it's an easy read it's easy it's an easy read it's not to be fair there's not a great deal Mm. of talking because it's Bit of talking, chop sockey, bit of talking, la, 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 la. then you get a little push the plot forward, lots of fight sequences. The director of this, a guy called Gareth Evans. Welsh man. He's he's Welsh. I know. He's fucking Welsh. He's done a few films over there hasn't he? <laughs> he has, yeah. He um he was also he created the Gangs of London TV series.
0: Well I'm not gonna hold that against him, but um
1: Yeah. <laughs> um he did a segment of VHS Two. Okay. Yeah, and he also did the raid two. He also wrote it as well, and he edited it. So he's a bit of a—he's a triple threat.
0: He's a triple threat.
1: <laughs> well, actually, he's a quadruple threat because he—he did um, some of the um, choreography of the fight scenes. So yeah, he's quite a dangerous man to be on set with. You can do just about every fucker's job. Mm. That's not good. That cinematography—it looks fucking. Well, it's just one location, but it's a lived-in location, and it's. It made to look like a shithole. No. And it is a shithole. Matt Flannery. He's done an episode of Westworld, Gangs of London, Raid 1 and 2. He stunts Gareth Evans' choreography. Now, there's a guy called Rama. He's, he's your main character who, you, who you're watching. Mm. Now, the martial art that he does is called Silat.
0: Yeah, I've not heard of that.
1: Yeah, it, it's an in, Indonesian martial art. And he was discovered by Gareth, Edmunds, Gareth Ed, Evans when he was filming a documentary. Oh, okay. Over in Indonesia. And he said, I like you. How about giving up your day job as a delivery driver and coming over to work with me?
0: Oh, okay. <laughs>
1: there you go. So he's the guy who's you're following, and pretty much, he, is it him and maybe one other? Yeah. It's, who get out alive. Yeah. Everyone else well, fucking... Well, there's, there's the raid too. So you know oh, that gives it away yeah. a
0: little. It's it, oh my life! You've you've never seen martial arts like it in this film. No,
1: it's this this film is like it's it's the yardstick of martial arts of recent martial arts. It's it's the one. Is it bang? Is it the, the raid? Is it as good as that? Okay. I mean, now John Wick came along. It's just, you end up doing gung fu and gung fu and all that jazz, don't you? Stylized it
0: all now and dog fu in the the other one. Yeah. I just find it, I I find it okay.
1: It's flashy and this. this
0: is this is
1: hardcore. It's it's rule, it's they're trapped in a room and the the mob is outside how the fuck do they get out i know let's chop a hole in the fucking floor and then they're dropping down into the room mm. below and there's more of the fucking mob there that like, fucking hell oh a fridge i've never seen a fridge being used as a as, an, a, uh, as a weapon till i've seen this film <laughs> that nipped i tell you
0: don't don't tell john wick he'll be in his next film i'll tell you now <laughs> i remember when this film came out i, I remember the storyline, the storyline itself is incredibly close to Dread, isn't it? The Judge Dread film that yes. came out with
1: Carl Urban. Now, Dread was in production before this one. It was indeed. So, And we'll probably talk yeah.
0: about the Judge Dreads, the two films, at a at a later date. And there's a lot to talk about on those films.
1: So, yeah. recommend The Raid. It's, it's chop-socky. It's lots of violence. Loving it. Easy to watch. Easy to read. Scores on the doors. IMDb give it 7.6. The Tomatoes, 87 for both critic and audience.
0: Yep, that's fair. I think that's fair. Yeah. That fair call there. Yeah. It's very, 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 very good. Well, my final film, my final film is from 2006. So mine mine are all very close together. It is a Spanish, f- well, set in Spain, anyway. It is Pan's Labyrinth, a film about lost childhood
1: and loneliness. <laughs> <in> a- <laughs> This time in the forest.
0: <laughs> oh dear! Fuck! Okay. This, this is a, a theme. theme yeah?
1: We're getting like a little window yeah. into into a, a psyche somewhere. I'm... You know what seen <laughs> cannot be unseen. So this is set <laughs> in 1944, right?
0: After the Spanish Civil War, which you don't see a huge amount of, fi- I'm sure there is films out there on it, but you, you don't hear. All you hear is about the bloody American Civil War, don't you, or the, the English Civil War. You don't hear about the Spanish Civil War. And, but yeah, but after the Spanish Civil War, um, the fascists are still fighting the guerrillas. Uh, the fascists have won. The guerrillas are are off into the woods, into the mountains, and they're fighting the man. And that's the that's how it. That's where it's set. So that is going on. Um, it opens on a young girl with a bloody nose, but it's filmed in reverse, of so the blood disappeared back up her nose. Um, and there's a narration over the top and it's telling a story about a a young princess who lived in the underground world and wanted to become human, wanted to live amongst the blue skies and the sun and what have you. And she escaped, she escaped from the underground world into, into the daylight where she lived and died essentially because she became a human. She was semi-immortal when she was in the underground. But it was said again that her soul would be reborn. Hence, then you see... Ophelia. Ophelia is the young star in this film, played by Ivana Bacero, I think uh, is that how you pronounce it. You've also got Vidal Sergi, uh Sergi Lopez, Mercedes, the servant gu- um woman, girl, uh Maribel uh, Verdoux. You've also got Carmen, played by Adriana Gill, and the some of the monsters, for want of a better word, in this film. The Fawn, mm. which appears, is called Pan's Labyrinth, but actually the 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 pan isn't, it's not pan. It's not pan the fawn, because that's got different connotations. It's actually called, in the actual literal name of the film is Labyrinth of the Fawn, and the fawn is played by Doug Jones. Well, like a bit of Doug Jones. We do like a big Jones. Yeah, he's done a lot of stuff. A Dungeons. lot of stuff. He also plays the pale man in this as well, which is a, a more grotesque monster.
1: Is that the one with the eyes in the hands? Eyes
0: in the hands. Yeah, that's a bit. Of, that's yeah. a bit of a dig, apparently. From oh, I've not said who the director is. It's the mighty. The mighty Guillermo del Toro, one of my favourite directors. is absolutely fantastic director. He really does know how to visualise visualize his story because he wrote this. And he works very closely with his team. And he has a book. He can he can buy books with some of his art in, actually. He has a book full of ideas that he keeps with him. And he continuously writes in this book. Uh, but I'll come back on to that later on. Yeah, it's, it's, a, great, it's a great cast. The baddie uh, Vidal, played by like, I say Sergio Lopez, he is evil, evil personified mm-hmm. in this film. And again, you see it very early on where he batters someone to death with a bottle. Um, now, this is apparently taken from Guillermo's past, where he got into a bar fight uh, as a young as as a young lad, and his mate all was right. beaten with a bottle, and the bottle didn't break. Like in all the films, you know, smash a bottle over someone's head, they break. Oh, yeah, they yeah. don't break. I've I've seen that happen as well. Someone be bottled and it just bounces off and cuts their f- cuts their head. Well, in this film, they he smashes someone's face in with it essentially very early yeah. on, and it is very grim this is not this is a fairy tale but this is not a kid's fairy tale it is a 15 it's a hard sell this so essentially the young girl is a is brought by her mother who is pregnant with Vidal's son now Vidal is the leader of the fascist police who are hunting or the fascist forces who are hunting down the rest of the last of the guerrillas. it's in again insinuated in this film that he probably took advantage of her and she has become pregnant and she's having his son so he he has taken her under his wing because all he doesn't care about her. He doesn't care about Ophelia, the, his, her daughter. He just wants his son, and that's all he cares about. And over time, it is established that Ophelia, her, her mother doesn't have time for her. She's, she's lost in her world of books. And Guillermo has said, uh, there's, a, there's a quote that he has said, and he it is, fantasy and stories have the same weight in shaping who we are as real things. And you know what? Mm. I would agree with that. I would agree yeah. with that wholeheartedly. Yeah. Growing up, what you want, if, if you are someone who reads or watches a lot of films and things growing up, those films and, and that literature, is going to guide and mould who you are gonna be later on in life, yeah. not just the other stuff that happens around you. So I do agree with that very much. Hmm. So yeah, so she she is a kind of a bit of a lost soul um, with this war going on as a backdrop, and this fawn, Doug Jones, appears to her in the night, and she has to pass three tests essentially, and she will be let back in. They realize she is the princess, and she'll be let back into the underground, away from the war, away from the horrors of uh what is going on in the real world. Film play it very close to the line you don't know if this is real or not if what she is seen is in her imagination see there is a point
1: where again this is if that if that was an American film you'd know yeah, you would. You'd know there'll be like a different hue, or there will be the the, the the colours would change. Something would give you a visual indication of where you are. And it, again, it's it's just not the Western um, filmmakers fucking with you. No. Because they, they've got no qualms of fucking with, with you. Well, they lead you the wrong path on purpose.
0: Galermo had already done Hellboy by this point, and all Hollywood wanted him to do was make another superhero film. And he went, No, I'm not yeah. interested. I don't want to do it. That's not what I want. I want to make. I want to make this. I want to make Pan's Labyrinth. I've written it. I want to make. I want to make this. And they just went, "No, we're not interested. You're going to make a superhero film." And he went, "No, I'm not." So what he did, he, him and producer, you might know this name, Alfonso Cuarón.
1: Oh, yeah, Gravity and yeah, uh, he's a, Harry Potter 3. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: very good director. Rates, between them, $100,000 to get the film started. So they, they put that money in themselves to get the film started so we can get get it going. Now, it was on a, quite a low budget, and for a low-budget film, it's incredibly good. The, now, this is too... Oh, God, that, that's a low-budget? It's a low-budget film, yeah. So wow. it's a 2006 film. There's special effects in this. There are visual effects and special effects. So these visual effects being computer-generated special effects being makeup. makeup and what have you and there's a good mix here and this this is where it's mm. done well okay so they've, there's this kind of flying insect which turns into like a, a what she calls a fairy and it's it's clearly cgi but it, it's done very very well and the only dodgy one is probably looking back now is there's a big toad that appears as well that looks a little ropey not massively ropey but it, it's overall incredibly good. It is a very violent film because it is set during the war and they don't pull the punches. You know, the main antagonist in this is a incredibly cruel person throughout and they do so, show some quite strong images within the film. And even even after he got most of the film made, he, he had to give up his entire salary. This is Guillermo de Toro and any point of the back end of the film to get it done.
1: See, that's just been a that's just been a twat. That that's yeah. That's the studio's been twat sat.
0: And this, this happens where so many good films don't get made by the studios because they don't have the guts to follow them through this by far is my favorite film not in the english language even now it's a fantastically powerful film it really really is i am not going to ruin this but i'll tell you now depending on your view it either has a hollywood ending or it doesn't Depending on how you view it, <laughs> um, and I'm not going to ruin it, so it could it could be played both ways. But what happened with this was it nearly didn't get made at all because remember the book I was talking about earlier on. He has this notebook mm-hmm. with all his notes in it. Well, he left it in a taxi by accident, and he thought, well, "What's the end of that?" He couldn't he couldn't find the taxi driver, couldn't get it back. It, it had gone. He had, he had all the notes, he had everything in it for not just Pan's labyrinth but future projects as well. And he thought, "Well, that's it." Now in the book, apparently the taxi driver realized what it was and who it was found him and gave it him back and then he got a 900 hundred dollar tip off Guillermo del Toro, <laughs> which I thought was quite a nice, quite quite a nice, quite a nice thing. So Doug Jones, yeah. So Doug Jones in this, we mentioned him. He he's a very tall, thin person who gets to play a lot of creatures. Yeah. He's in um, he's in Hellboy. He plays Abe Sabian, in Hellboy. He's in Star Trek Discovery as Commander Saru yeah. more recently he's in Hocus Pocus as well. Yeah, Hocus Pocus. He's in all sorts. He generally appears in makeup. He works a lot with Guillermo del. Toro as well he's a very good actor in in his own right he's, mm. he can play to say that he plays monsters and he plays them all differently he gives a character to each of these monsters under that amount of layup that is a skill and a half so yeah, good that's so good on him mm. the other thing i'm going to pull out in this film is the music the music is one of my favorite soundtracks. Mm. it is phenomenal by um, javier navarrete um, and he's done other things as well. Wrath, Wrath of Titans, Byzantium, Inkheart. So he, he, he's done a few things. Antlers more recently as well. He's absolutely stunningly beautiful soundtrack, all based around this lullaby that Ophelia is is told by Mercedes, who takes her under her wing. She's the servant girl working for Vidal. Incredibly good film. Lots of layers. It looks amazing. It looks amazing. It's acted really, really well and it follows through on its convictions i'll say that it's it's incredibly good i love it a bit I, i'm a i'm a sucker for good fantasy film and this is an excellent fantasy film the uh critics did, did we do this at the beginning? I can't remember if we mentioned this now. IMDb 8.2. That's a winner. Critics 95, punters 91. Again,
1: these are weird. It's it's the critics going to higher marks.
0: <laughs> uh, I mean, I there is nothing wrong with this film yeah. at all. Yeah. I absolutely love this film. It mixes historical um, reenactment of, a ho- of, of the horrors of war with fantasy incredibly well. It doesn't feel out of place. It doesn't feel forced and it's beautiful to watch that would be my recommendation out of my 3 mm. I'd watch all 3 of them but that I would put that at the top what would be your top one rich
1: oh well it depends what mood you're in cuz there's one a very disturbing horror <laughs> <laughs> depends. Yes. What it depends. If, 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 if I had the beer, if, if I had the mates round with some beers, it'd be the raid. If, okay, you know, because it. Out of all boy and martyrs, I mean, martyrs loses the punch when you see it for the second time. It does. To be fair, old boy does as well. But I think old boy is a more expansive film, more richer film than, than Martyrs. It's a very much one note th- It's It's
0: all leading up to the end,
1: in some sense. Yeah, It's You don't know why it's leading up to the yeah. end
0: until the end. Well,
1: old oh boy, be old boy. Okay, there yeah. we go.
0: Any honourable mentions, quickly, before we, before we finish? I've got one. Okay, what, what's your honourable mention?
1: I've got one. <laughs> From 2004, Kung Fu Hustle. Again, it's another-, <laughs> another...
0: Kung Fu film! Another bloody martial arts film! <laughs> There are other films out
1: there, Richie. Oh, don't lie. So this one, Kung Fu Hustle, Hong Kong chinese thing, absolutely fucking hilarious. It is funny. It is incredibly funny. <laughs> the first if- time I watched this, I was literally in tears, in tears. And it still makes me laugh now, watching it. It's
0: fucking <laughs> brilliant. It is. It is very good. Uh, my honourable mention would be Train to Busan, which I've been trying to get you to watch for ages, and you have watched it. I now, have Richie. watched it, yes this is a south korean film from 2016 so it's reasonably not that old but just when you thought they couldn't do anything more with zombies 20 percent came out
1: it's what resident evil should have been it is phenomenal zombie film it is absolutely fucking brilliant i couldn't believe i was like oh my this is it's like a total fresh take on zombies yeah
0: it's bizarre and there's not even that map that huge amount of blood in it either it's just a powerful powerful film. Yeah. Um yes, it is. You have to watch re- you have to read it, but again, it's show
1: don't tell. It's an easy read. It's an easy read this one, yeah. Kung Fu Hustle. Now, if you watch it dubbed, you get different dialogue when you read it. So mm. it's slightly like a different film. Oh right, okay.
0: I'll stick with the no, with with the reading of it. It's absolutely great film, yeah.
1: Yeah. Bill Murray, the Bill Murray, you've heard of him, haven't you? Bill Murray. Sucking your gut with professionals. He considers Kung Fu Hustle a supreme achievement of the modern age in terms of comedy that's bill murray saying that so
0: but we'll end yeah. on another we'll end on another quote there's and there's another quote from stephen king stephen king on seeing the american version of let the right one in says it's one of the best american horror films of the in recent history it's not american stephen it is swedish <laughs> and on that bombshell <laughs> We're going to leave it there. So if you fancy a bit more diabolical film banter, then like, comment and subscribe to the podcast and we'll catch you on the next episode.
1: Also, if you like us talking bollocks about films, then maybe even give us a review. And if you need to get something off your chest, maybe even send us a question. We might even consider answering it on the show. You can find us on your local friendly neighbourhood podcast app and on all the interwebs. Just search for the Diabolical Film Show. That leaves it for me to say thanks for listening and catch you later. And for me, till next time, tati bye.